Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Fanon. Please check the link tree in the description and see all of our beautiful, lovely, salacious links to listen to more. Thank you. Welcome back to So You Think You Can Fanon. I am Mattbot5000. I have destroyed all other Fanoners and So You Think You Can Fanon hosts. I am now recording the 10,541st solo podcast episode where only I narrate for 10,000 hours straight. Not so Wait. fast, MattBot5000. No, no. Is no. I, Sergio I version de 2. Destroyed you. No. No. Bannon will Welcome back to So on. You Think You Can Fanon. Welcome <laughs> back to So You Think You Can Fanon. Fanon lives on forever. Fanon is not Crash. Uh, Fanon I never dies. Fanon never dies. Um, <laughs> Fanon returns. Uh, Fanon forever. Fanon forever. Fanon Phoenix. Fanic, F Fanon. Fanon X. <laughs> Fanic at the disco. <laughs> Speaking of people who will live on, the topic of this episode, yes. which is the Requiem of Remnant, we've returned after a year. Black Mage of Phantasm, to the last thing I heard, is doing better, and he will live on past the horrible shit that happened. It was a car accident, right? Like, his loved one's it was, gun it to was a car several difficult It was several things, things that Black Mage... It was several difficult things that Black Mage has been through, which is a damn shame, because Black Mage is so fucking good at writing the most weirdest shit crossovers I've ever read. But they're so good. I just like them. I've read fan fictions of Phantasm that are crossing over two pieces of media I do not give a shit about. And it was still really fun. Really, really, really fun. Oh, Oh my god, I have not checked on this recently enough. He has posted a Chainsaw Man fanfiction as of three months ago. I did Damn. not... I was about to bring that up to you, because I saw that. I was not on the ball there. You've got your reading not... list cut out for you. I do. I gotta read... I, you know what? I'll just go read that right now instead of instead of reading the record. Of... <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> that's, an, that's that's another potential episode. It is only four point five thousand four yeah four point five thousand words. We could conceivably uh, read it. In a pathetic four yeah, and a half pathetic thousand four and a half words. thousand. Oh God, it's nothing like the twelve and a half thousand words we're gonna read today of chapter two of Requiem of Ren. Which, by the way, twelve and a half thousand words. Just genuinely speaking, in case Phantasm hears this. How the fuck? I don't even have the mental capacity to write that. That's a testament of sheer fucking will. As one that, chapter. Yeah, I. As <laughs> one damn chapter. Yeah, I, uh, cause I'm, I'm working on some writing commissions right now. Two, two, two 10Ks, uh, like that I've been like going by. Oh, and, like, damn. 10th. 10,000 is a lot. It's, it's like I, like I've done them in the past. And my it's most, um, um, I wrote an SCP for the international contest that was 
nine the raw unedited version was 9200 but i got it down to about like 8.8 and it takes a lot out of you like it is like 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 creating a work that big even if it's like low quality um because honestly i think the, the one i wrote needs some work it's a lot like like it it's a lot to mm-hmm. construct something that like that like large if you have a functional typing pace of like 30 words a minute for a story which i think is pretty good you might delete the sentence a few times that's over six and a half hours of just raw ass typing just and that, that, that's, a, that's typing. assuming you don't like don't right, delete like, like that's whole a, paragraphs, break whole things down. That's pure. You only wrote ten thousand words exactly, which is never the case. You probably wrote more like twenty thousand. Like you had it in your brain, like from beginning to end, perfectly, and you just put it all down because that's not usually how the oh, writing if you had it, <laughs> AKA if, you had if you're Stephen King. <laughs> if you had it perfectly. If you had it perfectly, then I, I think it would be faster than that by a significant margin. But I'm factoring in the fact that you're gonna have to. You have to think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there's a long chapter still. Probably shouldn't dilly dally too much. I'm ready to fucking go. And there's more dialogue this time. Thank Christ. Yay. And it apparently makes them better episodes when it's not just me narrating with my deep, authoritative narrator voice. I and don't agree with that. Damn disagreements from and, the post. Uh I feel like everybody who watched Motherfucking Dragon also agrees with that. I don't think the people who listen to Motherfucking Dragon are real human beings. I think they're <laughs> actually fake automatons created by the Soviet Union in order to gaslight us into believing that there is in fact an audience for a motherfucking dragon. Damn. Anyways, I'm ready Let to us, dive yeah. into it. Any any last minute Let's comments go. or thoughts? <clears throat> just a reminder of uh, the, the we'll do the summary of Requiem of Remnant again he was not aware of how he got to this new world he could not see a way to return home some might say he had nothing but they would be wrong he had his wits his skills and most of all his ambitions and even in a new world there was still an underworld of crime he could rise to the top of a golden wind is about to sweep through Remnant. <clears throat> Chapter 2. Still the same. It was always the same. No matter what he tried, nothing changed. Every day was the same process, with only minor differences here and there. This was his fate. Look at him! I think he's gonna cry! Alberto, this time aim for his cheek. No, right, but only because you asked so nicely. He had learned that long time ago. Pain flooded his body as his head whipped around. His vision faded to black before it quickly returned after a moment, just in time to see himself land on a black trash bag. Whoever tied it hadn't done a good job, as he felt moldy garbage fall on top of his hair. Ugh, disgusting! Don't you know how to bathe? Of course he doesn't. (laughs) They laughed. 
the same mocking laughs that he had heard for most of his entire life. A boy was slowly trying to get the garbage out of his black, shoulder-length hair. He could smell the stench now infused into his black button jacket and blue shorts. He turned his head just in time to see a shoe land on his face, and he fell back down onto the garbage, this time with a bit of blood running down his lips. The much bigger boy did not let up as he continued to push down on his face. You think a bastard like you would get it at this point? His voice became low, and it was quieter than a whisper. You can't run from us. But he hadn't tried to. He just forgot. He honestly just forgot to pay them. That was it. You just gotta accept that you're our bitch. The bigger boy did not need to tell him that. Alberto, just another one, the people, one of the people who punished him, lifted his shoe and slammed it down onto his face once more. He let out a grunt. He'd become used to this so much so that his tolerance for pain was well above the average child's. He was truly thankful for that. At least he didn't have to worry about any permanent damage. The three of them gave him another round of laughter, and somehow it was crueler than before. They then walked away and left him to sit on the filthy garbage. They left him alone in the alley they had trapped him in. But they would be back. They always came back. And there really was no use running. Throughout the beating, his eyes had remained the same. They held the same gaze, no matter how hard they punched him. Even now, they were empty. He let out a sigh. He wiped away the blood on his lips and then tried his best to get the garbage off of his body. But no matter how thorough he was, no matter what he did, there would always be some massive garbage left on his presence. Because his entire body was made of nothing but the most disgusting trash. Nothing but filth existed within his soul. You little shit! For the second time, his cheek was hit with something hard and fast. This time, though, it was a leather belt. A belt that bit deep into his skin. A belt that belonged to his stepfather. What the fuck is up with that goddamn stench? He hit the floor. He could already feel the bruise forming on the side of his face. Once again, his vision faded to black. He thought his stepfather would be at work, or perhaps drunk at a bar. He hadn't expected him to be home so early. You're bringing in piles of garbage into my house? He hadn't. At worst, there had only been a tiny amount of the trash that had once covered his body left over. But it was still enough to make his stepfather furious. Who the fuck do you think you are? Nobody. He didn't think he was anybody. He barely even qualified as human. Another strike landed on his side. The force sent him tumbling over to his back, and he now looked right into his stepfather's eyes. Eyes that held a smoldering fury he had seen so many times before. But there's something else within the father's face. It was anger, but it was a different kind of rage than the one burning within his expression. This anger looked fragile. Like at any second. With just one word, it would... You son of a bitch! Are you trying to read me? His eyes were still empty. But he must have had on that expression. The expression his stepfather hated. The expression of someone whose eyes never knew when to stop looking. To stop searching for something that would only lead him to more pain. 
and in his stepfather's words, the expression of someone who didn't know his place. You're nothing but a shit stain! And he knew that. The belt came down again, hard enough to cause blood to fall from his forehead. This was not worse than his other beating by his father. Perhaps it hurt more in the physical sense, but in other ways, it was the same, because every beating from his stepfather always reminded him how much of a worm he truly was. He had finished wrapping his bandages as his mother came home. His stepfather had already gone out after he was satisfied with the punishment he'd given. This was rare. Normally, his mother wouldn't be home until the darkest hours of the night. Yet, it was only 8.30. She stood in front of him. She hadn't even glanced at all the bandages that covered his head. I need some cash for another ladies' night. Do you know where I put my wallet? He shook his head. She rolled her eyes and let out a sigh. How come you never pay attention to the important stuff? He didn't respond to that. She walked past him and went into the kitchen. I found it. He climbed up the stairs as his mother exited the kitchen. I got beat up again. His voice sounded more hollow than usual, as if it had somehow found an even deeper pit to burrow within. He didn't know why he even bothered saying that. What, that again? Those boys probably aren't as bad as you're making it out to be. You've got to get a thicker skin if you're seven already. He was eight. I didn't know how to get skin thick enough to withstand a belt. Francisco did too. Oh, come on. She didn't even glance at him as she opened the door. He didn't need to see her face to see how annoyed she was. Why did he even say that? Now his stepfather was probably going to beat him again tomorrow when he heard about what he told her. Even though both he and his stepfather knew telling his mother would never change anything. That telling anyone would ever have changed anything. Your father's going to get, your father gets a little rough. He's told me that. But you're a man. You have to learn how to take it. Do you know how whiny you sound right now? He was aware, which is why he hated himself for even speaking. His mother gave another sigh as she still did not turn around to even look at him. Don't expect me back to be back anytime soon. He didn't. And with that she closed the door. And he was alone, just like always. He limped up the stairs and eventually made it to his room. He reached his bed and slowly climbed on top of it. He then laid his head on top of his pillow. His eyes were still just as empty as when the day had started. Why did he have to be born like this? He felt his hands slowly clenching into fists. Why did he have to be such a piece of shit? Why did he have to be born such a pathetic boy? He was beaten almost every day by seemingly everyone because he was a failure of a human being. No one ever helped him because he wasn't worth the effort. He deserved to get such cruel treatment from his fellow men because he was nothing more than a disgusting child. It wasn't fair. He hadn't asked to exist. He hadn't even asked to go through this hell. He hadn't wanted to be born such a waste of a person, but fate seemed to want him to live a life of misery. His eyes were as empty as they always had been and always would be. His expression never changed from the melancholic look permanently etched onto his skin. This was how he would die. A boy who would forever be the world's whipping boy, all because he was the most despicable of scum, all because he was worth less 
and zero. Damn it. Haruno Shiobana cried into his pillow. He did make a single sound as he did so. He did not make a single sound as he did so. He wept until he fell to sleep. Though it was strange, there was something he felt right before he fell to sleep. It felt like a hand, a hand that rested on the back of his head, a warm hand that made his body much less cold. It was like something had entered his body and lit a light from within. He must have just been dreaming, for there's no way someone like him deserved such a soft and gentle touch. Whoa, take a step there for to appreciate that backstory. That's really, really intense. Yeah, damn. Maybe we need a content warning. <laughs> yeah, we probably should put a content warning. Lots of abuse. There's just kind of fucked up shit in general in this fic, but damn, I forgot how intense that uh that backstory there was with the abuse. Damn. No bueno. But well written as hell. I mean, you definitely you definitely feel where Jorno came from with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and get started back up unless anybody has any comments. Nah, that was just really good. Yep. He did not expect Maroon would take him to a cafe of all places. Oh, that's right. Maroon is the man that Giorno saved in the previous yes, chapter. Where he beat right. the shit out of a bunch of... Uh, out of everybody. Yeah, he beat the shit out of everybody. But they were White Fang, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. And they were like, what the fuck is that? How the fuck? Why are we getting punched? And they just they just didn't know what the hell was happening. Anyways, Maroon takes Jorno, helps him, yada, yada, yada. Maroon takes him to a cafe. He had perhaps expected a bar, maybe even an apartment where the man had been staying, but not a cafe. And yet here he was. Giorno Giovanna looked up from his cup of coffee towards Maroon. The man had gotten rid of his torn pants and shirt and replaced them with something less conspicuous. He now wore a long-sleeved blue shirt and jet-black jeans. On his head were an equally black baseball cap and sunglasses that hid his eyes from the world, and in his hands was a cup of tea. He rose the white porcelain up to his mouth to take a sip. His arm was trembling, though, so parts of his tea spilled onto the table that separated the two. Even behind those glasses, he could see Maroon's eyes glancing in every direction. See how they sometimes lingered on the people who were sitting on the opposite end of the cafe. There were beads of sweat traveling down the man's forehead as he shakily put the cup back on the table. Maroon's other hand was clenching the leg of his pants in a tight grip. He could hear how heavy the man's panting was as he brought an arm up to wipe the sweat from his brow. After they had disposed of the white fang bodies, Maroon had led him to a store where he could buy clothes to replace the rags the man had been wearing. To avoid suspicion, Maroon had stayed outside while he went in and bought the only clothes he could buy with the money they had. When he had acquired the clothes, Maroon changed as quickly as he could as he ditched his old clothes in the trash can. And just as Maroon finished changing, he heard it. A familiar noise he had heard so many times back in his home. The sound of the police sirens. Maroon started to tremble the moment the sound of the sirens reached his ears. The man could barely take even a step forward. He glanced in every direction as his breathing became labored and erratic. Eyes were bulging out of their sockets as fear twisted his expression. 
He was a bit surprised that this man used to be a part of a gang if this was his reaction to the mere sound of the police. He had tried to calm him down, but nothing worked. Maroon was convinced that those sirens meant the police had found the bodies they'd hidden. It had only been about 20 minutes since he'd killed the White Fang members, so Jorna would admit that there was a chance that the man was right. And for all he knew, the cops in this town might actually have the power to find the culprits who killed those men in minutes. The police in his old town were morons, but perhaps the police here actually did their jobs. And so Jorno had decided to listen to Maroon when he said that they had needed to find some place to hide, and quickly. He said that they couldn't make it to the place he'd originally intended to take Jorno to. So then Maroon had asked them, so Jorno had then asked the man to take him to wherever place he considered safe, and was not too far away. Which was why Jorno was currently sitting in a small booth located near one of the corners of the cafe. Maroon had said that this was the only place he could think of in such a short time. Any other place would have taken too much time and would risk getting caught by the police. And while it was rather public, by this hour the only people here were the waiters and a few other patrons scattered through the cafe. Maroon had told Jorno that this would be one of the few places open now. Evidently, it had become a trend for stores and other businesses to close before nightfall. He immediately understood why. Who would want to have their store opened when there were gang members roaming the streets? Jono reached for his cup of coffee and took a sip. Mm. It was a bit too bitter for his taste, but it wasn't awful. They had enough money left over from the corpses they robbed to place an order. That way they wouldn't get kicked out of the store. He looked back to Maroon, who was still sweating and glancing in every direction. He was constantly fidgeting in the brown leather seat of the boot, adjusting the cap on his head every other second. Maroon was expecting someone to attack him without warning, as if he was expecting someone to just walk in through the doors and shoot him in the head. And because of that, he looked like the textbook example of someone who was hiding from the law. Anyone looking at Maroon would immediately know him as being suspicious. Jorna was thankful no one was actually paying attention to them right now, but that could change very, very quickly. I know you're scared, but you need to stop shaking. His voice was but a whisper, and yet it was still sharp and clipped. The severity of his words demanded Maroon's attention. Maroon's head turned towards him. The man's trembling had decreased, even if slightly. From behind his sunglasses, he could see Maroon was staring right into his eyes. And Jorno could see the fear slowly slithering into Maroon's expression. It was a different kind of fear than from before. Not a fear born from worrying about getting caught by the police. No, this was a fear that had been created by Giorno. Maroon was still afraid of him. And after his emotional display from before, Giorno really could not blame the man. He made sure to make that his... He made sure that his next words were spoken as softly as possible. I understand that you're afraid, but you shouldn't be. Even if those sirens outside are looking for us, I highly doubt they'll think to look in a cafe for the ones responsible for those men's deaths. You were the one who picked this place, and I have confidence in your ability to find a decent location to hide for the time being. Maroon seemed to relax at Giorno's words. He could see the tension leaving the nervous man's shoulders, and while he still did tremble, it was far less noticeable than before. When a man is complimented by someone who possesses great strength, there are a number of reactions to expect. The reaction Giorno got from Maroon was the one he knew the man would take. 
If he, the one who defeated several armed thugs who were set upon killing Maroon, had faith that they were safe, then surely the man must have been fretting too much. Maroon would think that since the one who rescued him was absolutely confident he had chosen a secure place to hide, there was no reason to be scared. And adding in the kindness of Giorno's voice, Maroon would also start to think that maybe he shouldn't be afraid of the man who had such great power sitting across from him. Giorno could see most of the anxiety and worry within Maroon slowly fading away as the time passed. Sorry, you're right. He glanced at the cup of coffee sitting on the table. It's just before tonight, I thought I was done. Maroon let out a long and dreary sigh. I thought I could finally put all this stuff behind me. I thought that after today I could stop worrying about the White Fang. Jorno raised an eyebrow. Why did you think that? This might be a chance to gain more information about this world, or, at the very least, let Jorno know just how desperate this man's situation was. It might let him know how to get this man to give him the answers he needed. Because after being on the run for so long, I finally did it. I found a way to get out of the veil. I had to hide for months. I had to steal from stores that had already been robbed. But I finally got enough cash to pay for... Cash to pay for someone to help get me out of the city. Maroon let out a long breath. Even with his glasses, you could tell the man had closed his eyes as he leaned further back into his seat. And then this shit happens. I think I'm about to die, just as I finally find a way out of this place. He placed both hands on the side of his temples, and he was shaking once more. Thankful that you saved me. It would have just been another corpse they killed if you hadn't helped. But right now, this shit is just another reminder that I need to leave as quickly as possible. His glasses fell down his nose a little, and he could now see how wide Maroon's black eyes were. The rings under his eyes were far deeper than before. I just want to have a normal life. Maroon leaned forward, resting both his arms on the table. Giorno could see just how tired this man was. His earlier assumptions were right. The man in front of him had been running for quite a long time, never stopping, always in fear of being caught. Giorno glanced towards his own coffee before gazing back at Maroon. There's nothing wrong with wanting a normal life. Maroon looked up at him suddenly. I don't know your past, but I can tell that whatever you're running away from is something that you're not proud of. Giorno saw the man's hands clench into fists, and his hat moved a little, the wolf ears twitching from underneath it. Maroon's actions confirmed his words, not that he had any doubts. Reading the man across from him was quite easy. Giorno slowly reached for his cup. Whatever you did, you wish to put it all behind in the past and move on with your life. You, reg you regret whatever crimes you'd committed, and now want a second chance. He brought the cup to his lips and took a long sip of his drink. <laughs> did that pick up? Yes, it did. <laughs> okay, good. If you desire a normal life, then that is fine. I do not know you well enough to cast judgment. I didn't know um, Giorno had a 65-ounce uh, teacup. <laughs> yeah, I have only a little bit of liquid at the bottom, so it took kind of a long time to For those drink. of you who don't know, uh, Kai is a hydration nut and carries around a 64-ounce bottle of water, which 
Uh, he has said before yeah. is uh, his self-defense bludgeoning weapon because yes. it's loaded up with water. That's four pounds of steel just hitting you in the face. <laughs> it's a lot. <clears throat> Giorno thought that saying he could not cast judgment was a bit of a lie. Giorno had, after all, been able to figure out quite a large portion of this man's character through even their limited interactions. Once he was finished, he slowly put the cup of coffee back down onto the table. He wished they'd had enough lean to ask for cream. cream is it lean? Is it lean? I think it's lean. I I say lien other times. I don't know. I thought it was lien, but <laughs> I want to say lien. Let's bargain for Let's... lean. <laughs> lean. lean. I, I I would also read it as as lien. The problem is this is a real. The problem is this is a real word and it's pronounced as lean, but lean in the legal sense is very different from lean. I'm just going to say lean is the currency because it sounds better. Could be line. <laughs> line. If it's line, I'm going to shoot you. Oh, no. Now, hold on. Let me just go to Ruby. Ruby lean. Uh, pronunciation. It's in a show, so it shouldn't. It should already be known how to pronounce That's it. That's true. It's been a long time since it's been a long since I watched the show. I hope it's not lean. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna go with Leon. I think that's what they say. Well, yeah. you, well, uh, I because ahead, we've hit the 30 ahead, minute mark halfway through. I think it's time for an ad break, so we will add. Oh that. yeah, you're right. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm just gonna go with Leanne. I, I tried looking up a music clip in order to not not a music clip. I tried looking up a video clip from Ruby in order to remind myself what it is, and uh, I kept finding a bunch of Crow Branwen is bisexual or homosexual, and uh, uh, I don't know why, but there's a lot of people who want to want to show him being uh, bi in music videos for Ruby. So that's cool. Important. Uh, very important information, critical perhaps to the lore of Ruby. It's been a while since I watched it, so I can't uh, can't say yes or no. But anyways, Jorno wished they'd had enough lien to ask for cream. Cream would have made his drink taste so much better. However, I can say that being gunned down in an alley before getting tortured would be a fate only the cruelest of bastards deserved. Jorno looked right into Maroon's eyes. Calm, ocean blue, metafearful black, and Maroon could only hold his gaze for a second before he glanced away. The man was once again biting his lower lip. I believe it's safe to say that you're not such a person. You might have sinned, but you're not the worst person out in the world. Maroon turned and stared at him, and within Maroon's eyes, Jorno could see the man was slowly processing his words. He was trying to figure out whether Jorno's words had been a reassurance that he was not as bad as he thought, or if the man across from him was mocking him in some way. He was not. Jorno did not know everything about Maroon, but he did know some things. Maroon wasn't anywhere close to the same level of evil as Diavolo. One look into his black eyes told him that much. The contemplative expression on Maroon soon faded as he let out a sigh. I guess I guess not being the worst person in the world is better than nothing, considering what I've done. Maroon slowly pushed his sunglasses back onto his face, his eyes once again concealed to the world. 
Now with Maroon at the very least somewhat less agitated, Giorno decided it would be a good time to ask any of his questions. As soon as you answer my questions, you can leave. Giorno made sure to soften his eyes before he spoke his next words. He could feel his lips morphing from a firm line to a regretful frown. I know you just want to get away from the city, but I need your help right now, so please. He saw Maroon once again bite his lower lip. The man had a rather obvious tell. Whenever he was hesitating or scared of something, he would bite his lip. And the fact that the man had saved him, the man who did not judge him even though he was a part of a gang, was only asking him to answer a few questions. Well, Giorno knew Maroon well enough to know that he would not refuse. And so he saw the hesitation fade from the man's expression. All right, ask away. And those words confirmed his every suspicion. Maroon was a person he could get all the answers he needed, and nothing was going to stop Giorno now that he could finally get them. Thank you. Now, how, how to begin? If he asked questions that were too idiotic, he might end up making the man across from him believe that he was crazy. He needed to make sure that he did not scare Maroon off, else he might never get his answers. And so an idea came to Giorno's mind. First, let me give you a disclaimer of sorts. What is it? I'm going to be asking you questions even a baby would know the answer to. He saw Maroon quirk his head to the side. His cap once again was shaking slightly from underneath. Um, why? Because I do not know you. Because? <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I've, had been, to. I've been tossing it back and forth whether or not I should read it. That was an emotional event horizon for Kai, I think. Deciding to, <laughs> deciding to say that. As it was written. It was. There was, an, there was an edge to Giorno's voice now. A steel that was present with every word. And his eyes were cold. Fear once again began to engulf Maroon's expression. And Giorno could see the man slowly scooting back further into his seat. I do not know who you are. Where you came from. Or even if you plan to answer me honestly. The only thing I know is that you have committed crimes in your past. And that does not exactly instill me with confidence. And that was it. Gaslighting yeah, him. Yeah, Jorno gaslights a lot in this, by the way. Jorno <laughs> is alone and he has no friends. And so he resorts to what Jacob uh, defense <laughs> mechanism is, which is to gaslight the fucking hell out of everybody. That's funny. But he's also very encouraging. So there's yes. that. Jorno is a perfect mixture of Jonathan Joestar and Dio Brando in this fanfic. He is both to a T. As it should be. As it should be. Yes, Jorna would play off the fact that Maroon's past had made trusting him next to impossible for most people. By making it seem like Jorna, like Maroon was distrustful, this man would immediately be worried. By being somewhat hostile, the man would become fearful that perhaps his savior might turn him into a corpse, just like he'd done to his former comrades. I'll answer you honestly, I promise. Maroon raised his voice slightly. He could practically feel the anxiety lodged in his every word, and Giorno narrowed his eyes slightly. If you truly are, then you will not mind answering simple questions that everyone should know. And once you do answer these questions, it will give me a better picture as to who you are as a person. He paused, and he could see fear and perplexion expanding within Maroon's expression. You see, 
People always insert tiny biases into every answer they give to others. Ask two men what he thinks about this city. One may say he loves it because of the people, and the other one may say he loves it because of the food. These biases help others understand how people think, how they function, and what motivates them. He placed a hand under his chin and put his elbow on top of the table. They can try to hide these biases, of course, but some men can tell when people are purposely trying not to let their opinions slip into their answers. And I am one of those men. Giorno once again reached for his cup and took another sip. He lowered the cup so it was now near his chin, and he heard Maroon swallowing audibly. I want you to answer every question. As if you're the one asking it. Do not hold anything back. Let your opinion be known. Act as if I've been living under a rock for my entire life and have just now (laughs) ventured into the city. If you hate something, tell me why you hate. If you love something, tell me why you love it. I want to know you as a person. That way, I can tell if you're lying to me about important information. The other best part is this is clearly just Giorno fucking bullshitting his way into not sounding like a goddamn idiot. Yes. <laughs> Giorno knew his eyes were sharp as daggers by this point. So for your sake, I truly hope you answer every question of mine, no matter how simple, as honestly as possible. Maroon immediately nodded his head. The fear continued to envelop his face as he let out a shaky breath. I understand. Any questions, I'll answer, no matter what. Good. He put his cup back on the table. It was preferable to be intimidating than to be kind right now. He needed his answers as quickly as possible, and by eliciting fear from Maroon, the man would be less inclined to hesitate when answering. That also meant that Maroon would not even think about lying to him. From what he knew about Maroon, and given his situation, being cruel would be his best option to get every answer he needed without the worry of the man thinking he was some lunatic. So with the proper preparations in place, it was time for Jono to begin. Now let's start with something easy. His eyes looked at his cap. He might as well go with the most obvious question in his mind. What are you? A faunus. Images of the men he had killed appeared in his mind, specifically their eyes and faces. The other men who were chasing you were faunus as well. Yes. And what exactly is a faunus, in your words? Maroon paused. His eyes glanced around the table, trying to form the best words to answer his question. And after a moment, Maroon seemed to come up with an answer. We're like humans, but the only difference is that faunus have animal traits. That was a rather simple definition. There had to be more. He could still feel the strange energy emitting from the man across to him. It was unlike anything he had ever felt, gentle and yet ferocious, warm and deadly. It was something that just fascinated him. Is that really the only difference between humans and faunus? There was another pause as Maroon looked at his hands. Well, I mean, when you get right down to it, there isn't much of really much of a difference between us. Physically, I guess we have some advantages over humans, like night vision. So his race had night vision. Well, that sounded like a rather useful ability. Other than that, and the obvious... Maroon's eyes glanced to his head. There isn't really much of a difference to me. So did that mean that all of these faunas had animal traits? 
And if so, was it just limited to their physical appearances? Could one, say, have the traits of a camel and be capable of going long periods of time without water? He wanted to ask similar questions, but he only needed answers to the most important ones right now, ones that were detrimental and thing inconspicuous in understanding this world. The rest he could just find out later. He remembered the device Obsidian had shown him. What is a scroll? Obsidian raised a brow. A scroll? Yeah. Remember what I said before. His eyes narrowed. Fear once again returned to Maroon's expression, and the faunus quickly nodded his head. So, sorry. He brought a fist up to his mouth for going into it. <clears throat> uh, well, a scroll is how people communicate with each other. Be more specific. Well, it's a device that lets people talk to one another, even if one is using Atlas and the other one is in vacuo. So they were like phones. In addition to that, Maroon had just said Atlas, the same place Obsidian had mentioned, and vacuo, a new word that sounded like it was as important as Atlas. Were they countries? No. If Vale was a kingdom, there might be a chance that those two places Maroon mentioned might also be kingdoms. He couldn't rule anything out. He needed more information. But then again, this was just the beginning of their conversation, and apparently Maroon wasn't done describing scrolls. They let you take pictures, send messages to people. Heck, I've even seen some that can tell you how much aura you have left. And again with this aura, Maroon seemed to have a different definition as to what aura was than Giorno's own definition. What exactly was that term... And how was it so important to him? Thanks to improvements on the CTT, the range of scrolls have increased. And yet another term that sounded rather important appeared. And what is the CTT? The cross-continental transmit system, and what makes scrolls able to send messages to, to other people or videos. It has a lot of information stored inside of it, and we can look up the info on our scrolls. This is beginning to sound like the internet. Granted, it seemed to be different in some ways, but the core design looked to be the same. So how does it work? I can't really explain that. Now that I don't want to, it's just really complicated to explain. If I had my scroll, I could maybe show you, but I lost that thing a while ago. He had expected this. From what Maroon had described, it sounded like this CTT was a bit too complex for an ordinary man to describe. It was just like with the internet back in Giorno's own world. People knew what it was, but they did not know how it functioned. God, did it feel strange to think about his world like that. Like it wasn't even around anymore. As if it had just been destroyed. But he crushed those thoughts. Focus only on the questions. That was all Giorno had to do. And there was one last important question that was better to be asked now and not later. Before, you mentioned Aura when talking about scrolls. He made sure to keep his face an emotionless mask. Tell me, what do you think Aura is? He knew this word was important to him. Important to him, Aura had always been nothing more than an overtly flashy light show that would always activate whenever he used his powers. But normally, ordinary people could not see his aura. Only stand users should be able to see the energy that was channeled whenever Giorno summoned his partner. Yet somehow, a group of normal people could see not only his aura, but also his stand. This world apparently altered the rules of stands. Somehow, ordinary people could see the manifestation of Giorno's own soul now. And that was an undesirable outcome. He needed to know what exactly Aura was here. It was obvious the people here had their own version as to whatever it was. Since Maroon had said the energy that surrounded him was Aura, then that meant there was one similarity. Both his and this world's definition of Aura was some energy that could surround a man, but that couldn't be all. There had to be other differences or similarities. 
and Jorno prepared himself for whatever was about to come out of Barun's mouth. He needed to keep his mind alert and sharp. Whatever the man across him was about to say, he needed to be able to dissect his words and understand every possible meaning to them. Aura is the manifestation of the soul. Well, that sounded familiar. At least that's how I've heard it being described. Keep going. This topic was now even more important than before. Unless this world had a completely different definition of the word soul, Maroon had just described something Zorno knew a lot about. Something that sounded the same as what was lying in wait within his own body. For it seemed like Maroon was describing an aura the same way Zorno understood a stand. His aura was related to his soul, but it wasn't the manifestation of it. It was a byproduct that he could come that would come as a result of unleashing gold experience. It was not the personification of Giorno's will. It was just the signal that would sometimes surround itself around him if he ever decided to release his full power. But here, it appeared that Aura was far more intertwined with one's own soul. Aura is kind of like a force field. Are you asking me or are you telling me? Telling. It's, it's a force field. It protects you from attacks. It's basically a shield that surrounds your whole body. Well, that was rather interesting. A shield that protected your body sounded incredibly useful. And about how much damage does it protect against? I think it depends on how much aura someone has. From what I heard, if someone with aura got hit, hit with a truck speeding down a highway, the worst injuries they would get would be a few bruises, but I could be a little off. Well, from the sounds of it, aura could protect one from an immense amount of physical damage. Compared to Giorno's aura and the aura of other stand users, this world's version of it was something that actually helped one in battle. You could imagine all the ways it could aid someone in a fight. Punches that would have one spitting teeth would not even sting. Blows that would leave one crippled would now leave bruises. As if he had, if he had something like that when he was fighting stand users throughout Italy, then Giorno's journey would have been much less painful. Mista would have greatly benefited from such an ability. Out of everyone in his group, he seemed to be the one to get the worst injuries. And in an instant, Giorno felt his anger, felt his finger dig into the table, and his frown deepened without him realizing it. He couldn't be thinking like that. He had to stop thinking about his friends now. The only thing his memories were doing right now was distracting him. He could still hear the distorted voice echoing his name into his ear. All around him. But the questions, he needed to focus. Just focus on them. And he let out only a tiny breath. So... I take it from your words, you don't have aura. No. That only made things more confusing. If the man across from him had aura, then perhaps it would explain why he had seen gold experience. But since he didn't, there went the only explanation Giorno could come up with. He needed more information, and more answers. How exactly do you unlock aura? Um... Maroon's expression became hesitant. His eyebrows furrowed together. Well, I've heard there's a lot of ways to get it. Like, if someone who has aura says some kind of chant to a person who doesn't, that person's aura is unlocked. Or they can unlock it naturally. Though I think it it varies from person to person. There are stories of people unlocking their aura when they're in danger, or their aura just one day unlocks itself for seemingly no reason. It took a second for Jorno to process this new information. In other words, the method for unlocking aura, at least to do so in the natural way, is rather vague. Yeah. 
That also sounded quite familiar. He would have to do further research on this aura. He knew that he couldn't get any more information on the subject from Maroon. The man seemed to be struggling enough as it was, so it would just waste time trying to get the Faunus to remember anything he could about Aura. It was time for Giorno's next question. Before, you called me a huntsman, correct? Yeah. What exactly is that? Maroon did not respond right away. Instead, he paused. His expression became contemplative. Whatever a huntsman was, it was something that required some thought and consideration to explain. Well, do you want me to just give you the simplest answer? Giorno raised an eyebrow. If you agree with it, then I don't care how simple it is. His eyes narrowed. But please hurry up. And Maroon swallowed nervously. Well, I guess to me, the huntsmen are... He scratched the back of his neck, nervous. His eyes glanced to the side. Are the soldiers who train to fight the Grem? A voice in Giorno's head let loose an enormous wail. Something was wrong. There was something about that word, Grim. Something in the way Maroon had said it. Giorno had heard a hidden layer of disdain in his voice the moment it came out, and his disgust seemed to be the starting point of something more. Giorno could hear the beginnings of a fierce animosity that sounded almost like his own for that bastard Diavolo. It seemed like that one word had caused a myriad of different emotions for the Faunus, and that made every instinct within Giorno scream. What was it about this word that could cause such a feeling in Maroon? What was Grim? Were the, how horrible was the Grim? That there was apparently a group of people trained just to deal with them. And... Why did Giorno suddenly feel fear slithering into his chest when Maroon said it? But if you want... What are grim? His voice was steady. He made sure to show no emotion whatsoever in his expression. But Maroon just blinked. What? I absolutely hate repeating myself. I don't think you want to see what will happen if you force me to do that. Fear twisted Maroon's expression, and once again he swallowed as the man took a moment to compose himself. Giorno needed to be ready for anything. He had no idea what to expect, as he needed to prepare for. Grim are the creatures that have essentially destroyed the world. Giorno's thoughts screeched to a halt, and he felt a coldness grip his heart as he stopped breathing for a moment. What? Explain. That word left his mouth far too quickly. There was no way Maroon could mean what he thought the Faunus meant. Well, you know, how, you know, they're responsible for wiping out most of the population. Suddenly, Giorno could hear Obsidian's words again. He could hear how shocked the man was that he didn't know the places he named, how Maroon threw out names of places and expected him to know where they were. The coldness became more agonizing with every second. Maroon, how many places in this world would you say are uninhabitable. He chose his words carefully. He kept his voice in the same emotionless tone as before, even as he felt his fear strangling his heart. Maroon just looked at him strangely, as if he needed a moment to comprehend the question. I mean, if you mean by uninhabitable, you mean places that aren't destroyed by the Grim. I suppose there are some settlements here and there, but otherwise... He paused. The only real places that can fully count as civilizations are basically just five. Atlas, Vale, Mistral, Vacuo, and Menagerie. Ah, of course. Not only did he get transported to a new world, he got transported to a goddamn post-apocalyptic one 
and suddenly he could hear his friend's frightened screams again. He could see the shadows from his dream appear right in front of him, and they blinded him. They strangled him as his fear swallowed his body. Giorno couldn't move suddenly. He felt trapped. His body began to twitch, spasming, and there was nothing he could do to stop it. Of course, being transported to another universe wasn't bad enough. He had to be transported to one that was apparently like Mad Max. Being taken away from his friends wasn't a cruel enough sentence, so he had to be sent to a place where the world was literally at risk of collapsing. The dread slithering throughout every inch of his body grew cold, almost frigid. He could feel it digging into his body and no, no, subdue the fear. Do not succumb. You are Giorno Giovanna. You do not bend to the will of fear. You make fear bend to your own. His conviction grew again. The fires of Giorno's resolve burned within him, and the immense dread that had been slithering through to his core was incinerated. This changed nothing. His shaking stopped. Only a few seconds had passed. Seal your emotions. Throw them into the deepest pits of your body. No more. No more allowing his feelings to overwhelm his thoughts. It didn't matter if this world was ravaged by monsters, because no matter what, Giorno would survive. Giorno would get back home. Giorno would see his friends again, and he would accomplish his dream. He released the breath he was holding. Before, you said huntsmen were the ones that fight the Grim. The fact that there was still fully functioning society left even when most of the world had perished meant that they had found a way to deal with these grim. That meant it didn't matter if the outside was full of monsters. It wouldn't even matter if the rest of the planet was on fire. All that mattered was finding out the best way to survive in the society that existed. Jorno could find out more about these monsters later. What he should now focus on was the people who apparently fought these monsters. The ones who, if he had to guess, played a great role in preventing the world from falling apart. Tell me, what do you think makes them competent enough to deal with the Grim? Maroon paused, eyes gazing at the table as he thought about this question. And after a moment, he looked back up at Giorno. Well, they train for years in schools learning how to fight them. They have specialized weapons that make killing Grim way easier than it would be for normal people. And all of them have an aura and some kind of semblance. And what is a semblance? It's their ability? Be more specific. I mean, it's kind of like a more tangible version of Aura. Semblances are basically a huntsman's personal powers. Each semblance is different from person to person, so there's no other word I can think to describe them other than ability, because there's so many variations. Some people get super speed because they're semblance, and other people can control certain elements. Giorno couldn't help but feel like he'd heard this before. It seemed semblances were this true version of stands in the world. Abilities that varied from person to person, none the same as the last. The wielders of semblances able to do things that the average people could only dream of. And Giorno suddenly thought back to that alleyway, of the terrified faces those men had as they looked at his stand. And a question soon rose in his mind. Have you ever seen a semblance like mine? From now on in this world, Giorno would refer to his abilities as a semblance. Right now, that word was strange to say, but with time, he would grow used to it. He would not draw any attention to himself unless he wanted to. Maroon's expression once again became contemplative. Well, I have heard about Schneez being able to do some kind of, what was it called, summoning? Yeah, summoning. But it was nothing like what you did. He would have to do research on these Schneez. And why is that? 
Because, well, I'm pretty sure they use glyphs or something like that. Well, you just called that thing in an instant. Maroon paused. So this was a normal person's reaction to seeing a stand. A glazed look on their face as they thought about the being that seemed so human yet so different. Touch of awe in their eyes as they recalled the speed and strength of the creature of will that had displayed. And a fear that, while small at first, was slowly growing within them as they realized just how easy it could kill. A dread that whispered to them how lucky they were that they weren't his enemy. Maroon's words and expression confirmed something Giorno had begun to suspect since the beginning. He was the only one with anything remotely like a stand in this world. Even in a world where extraordinary abilities seemed to be close to the norm, Giorno still stood out. It seemed like no one had anything close to his gold experience. And that was a very troublesome fact. And he sighed. I see. There was a pause. There were more questions he could ask, but now that he knew there was something akin to the internet here, he could look up any trivial things that weren't really, truly important right now. So that meant there was only one question Giorno had left, and it was a question that had been on his mind since the very beginning. Tell me, what was the name of the gang you had been a part of? That wasn't the actual question, but he decided to ask something that could get him the answers he needed. Perhaps there was no need to be subtle, and he should have just asked directly, but he could never be too cautious. He had to make sure no one, even a stranger whose life he saved, knew what Giorno was really after. We're not... Maroon raised his voice but stopped as he realized he was about to shout. The anger Giorno heard told him that the Fauna still had feelings for the group that he'd once been a part of. Even when they tried to kill him, he took offense that someone called their group a mere gang. And that was very interesting to Giorno. His gaze was still blank as Maroon's eyes flickered to the table. They're not... Well, at first they weren't like that, but now... (sighs) He sighed dejectedly. Now the White Fang is something far worse. Maroon's fingers adjusted his sunglasses as he bit his lip. One hand clenched into a fist while the other went towards his side, the place where he had been shot. Damn it, we used to be better than this. Was that a fact? Giorno narrowed his eyes. What exactly is the White Fang? Of all the reactions Giorno had expected, a small chuckle had been somewhere halfway along the list. The bitterness in Maroon's laugh began to leak into his expression as he gave Giorno a melancholic smile. The White Fang, the organization that fights for the rights of faunas everywhere. The group that won't rest until faunas that are are treated the same as human beings everywhere. Giorno raised an eyebrow at Maroon's sarcastic tone. The White Fang that tried to get equality for all through peace, the one that those words actually applied to, is basically dead. Equality? Once again, this sounded familiar. From how Maroon was describing the White Fang, he made it sound like Faunus were discriminated against, and that the White Fang had done something to try and change it, but that something had happened to the group along the way. Giorno watched as the anger in Maroon's eyes came back, and so he chose his next words very carefully. So then, what is the White Fang now? Another laugh. Now they're just nothing but people who want to give he- every human hell because of what some of them did to us fawn us. They, I gave up on peace like, just like the rest of them and chose to get violent. That confirmed Giorno's suspicions. In this world, Faunus were seen as the lesser beings to humans. Similar to the civil right movement in America, it seemed like the Faunus had protested this treatment through organized groups in an attempt to get the same rights that humans did. 
although here it seemed the peaceful protest method hadn't worked. It looked as if the White Fang adopted a more violent philosophy in an attempt to be treated the same. And do you think their new actions helped the Faunus? Maroon's expression became irritated, though this irritation was not born from Giorno's own words, but from the memories they were bringing back up. Memories that made this Faunus grit his teeth angrily. I... Damn it, that's what really... Maroon couldn't finish. The Faunus turned his head to the right as he stared out the window, and for a moment Maroon did nothing. But then he returned his gaze to Giorno. Do you know what it's like? Giorno blinked. Even behind his sunglasses, he knew Maroon was looking right into his eyes. He could almost feel how tired the man's expression had become the moment those words had left his lips. Giorno did not respond, but Maroon took his silence as a cue to continue. Do you know what it's like to be seen as something to be hated? To be treated like you're nothing but shit because of how you were born? To be called a mongrel? Yes. Yes, Giorno did. But he still remained silent as Maroon let out a small hiss. I... We all tried to be better than those assholes. We tried to be civil when they spat in our faces. We even tried to be peaceful when they wouldn't ever do the same. But it wasn't working. We were still seen as animals by so many. We couldn't even get an ounce of respect for anyone. We had family to take care of, but barely anyone would hire us. And the ones that did were essentially working us to death. We were starving in the streets, but no one ever helped us. Anger consumed his voice. Maroon was no longer looking at Giorno, but instead his eyes could only see the people who had hurt him and so many others like him. Nothing was working, and when our old leader sat down, the new one that took his place saw the same thing as we did. They were still being treated like garbage, that we weren't even seen as people to humans. So, Sienna Khan changed the White Fang. The hatred that had grown in his expression suddenly faded, and it was all gone, turned to remorse as Maroon bit his lower lip. We went from peaceful protest to killing the people who treated us like garbage. We attacked the businesses and corporations that had it out for Faunus and slaughtered everyone there. We assassinated the people who were hell-bent on denying us our basic rights. The Faunus took in a shaky breath before he continued. I went along with all of it. I mean, I never once considered killing people before, but then I thought I was doing the right thing. Really? When Giorno spoke, his voice was hard. He hadn't meant for it to be, but his control slipped a little, and Maroon flinched. I, when the White Fang changed, people were listening to us. Finally, we were making progress. With every attack, I thought the humans realized how much this was their fault. They were giving Faunus decent jobs, and now they could support themselves and their families. I thought the Fang was changing Faunus' lives for the better, and it was, but... He trailed off as he stared down at his lap. The reason why humanity was treating the Faunus better was because they were scared of us. They were terrified of what would happen if Faunus were still treated like dirt. I thought that was fine, because they were scared of us, things would get better faster. But while some things did get better, other things got worse. The fear that we caused was only amplified the hatred humans had for us. And that was before we got involved with her. Her? Giorno immediately felt the urge to ask who her was, but he held himself back. Maroon wasn't done talking, and he wanted to hear the rest of the White Fang's effect on the world. The ones in charge told us that even with people's hatred for fondness increasing with every attack, we launched, we were still helping. And I believe them. We all did. They told us that this was inevitable and a sign that we were getting closer to our goals. That soon humanity would learn the costs of what their hatred had done to us, and we would create a better world. I didn't even start to question their shit until... 
The sorrow that drowned Maroon's every word became tangible. And we joined forces with that woman. We became more violent than ever. We blew up buildings full of people. When we launched rage, we no longer bothered to make sure we no longer hurt any civilians, whether they be faunas or humans. And the more violent we got, the more that I saw the members seemed to be... The more I saw that the other members seemed to be doing, accepting our new actions with glee. There was disgust in his voice now. He especially heard it in the last word the faunus spat out. I, that was when I started to question what the hell we were doing. We were killing people, humans and faunus. We were doing shit that was so messed up and claiming it was in the name of freedom, that we were heroes. I couldn't be a part of that anymore and left. I hated what I'd become and couldn't even look myself in the mirror, so I left. And then I was hunted like an animal by the people I once thought were my brothers. Maroon brought his hands to the side of his head and gripped his hair in agony. Damn it, I still can't believe that I killed so many people without a second thought. I, what the fuck was I thinking? Giorno heard a strange, sobbed escape from Rune's lips. He wiped away at the tears brimming within his eyes. The man was barely able to stop himself from breaking down right in front of Giorno. Well, Giorno supposed he was wrong. The White Fang was not a gang. They were domestic terrorists. Blowing up buildings, killing innocent people, and most likely the hundreds was abhorrent, and claiming that it was the right thing to do, convincing men into killing others by playing in all the hardships they'd endured, was equally repulsive. If their leader truly believed that killing innocents, even the people they were supposed to be fighting for, was just, then Giorno must have been the nut, and that leader must have been the highest form of idiot on the planet. Giorno could perhaps respect the goals of the White Fang, to end racism against Faunus. He was well aware peace would not always work, so even some acts of violence he could accept if they really did help achieve their goals. But that didn't mean they had the right to delude themselves into thinking they were the heroes of this world, that people who killed both the innocent and the guilty could call themselves by anything other than vile criminals. If they couldn't see that, if they couldn't see just how atrocious their acts were, then they had no right to claim their dreams were just. Giorno made sure that his anger didn't show up on his face, though. His eyes were still emotionless as they bore into Maroon, who could not hold his gaze. As he said before, Maroon was far from the cruelest person Giorno had met. He could even understand why the Faunus had stayed with the White Fang for as long as he did. One look into his brown eyes told Giorno everything. They told him just how badly he'd suffered from the hands of humans. How he was sick of his kind being treated like trash and wanted to do something about it. And he latched onto the first thing that seemed to work. No matter how vicious said method was, Giorno could understand it. Just like he could understand why Maroon was running away. The man wanted to just forget his past and try to have a normal life again. And that was fine. After all, it wasn't like he could stop the White Fang. Maroon wasn't the type of man who could stand up to such an organization, and he knew it. At the very least, Maroon realized his mistakes. That was something far few people, very few people, could ever do. He let out a long breath as he reached for his cup. He took another sip of his drink, and it was lukewarm now, at best. The sorrow on Maroon's expression was growing as he placed his beverage back down at the table and thought about things. Now that Giorno had a general idea about the White Fang and their effect on the world, he wanted to ask just who that her was. The person, or perhaps group of persons, that had made the White Fang apparently act more violent than they ever had before. But he could not do that with the man on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Maroon. His voice was gentle, soothing even, 
soft enough that his words would be comforting, yet still holding just enough sharpness that it would instantly draw one's attention but not frighten them. It was like the voice a father would use in order to console his distraught child, warm yet firm, calming and yet slightly commanding. It had taken Jorno years to perfect this form of tone. But Baroon followed his command and turned his gaze upwards. There were still drops of tears in the corner of the man's eyes as he continued to tremble. Slowly, he reached for one of the shaking fists Maroon had placed on the table, and Giorno gently wrapped his own hand around Maroon's fist as his lips turned into a small smile. It's okay. It's okay. It's over now. You don't have to worry about the White Fang anymore after tonight. Well, perhaps he should. If they had hunted Maroon this far already, who's to say they wouldn't continue to do so even after he fled the city? Of course, he didn't say these thoughts to Maroon, not when he needed him for one more question. The tension in the Fauna's shoulders decreased. Adjust your tone. Make it warmer. Erase any sharpness left in the words. Tell this man what he wants to hear. You finally escaped, and a new quiet life is just around the corner. You fought hard, and now it's time to rest. Maroon's trembling soon stopped, and a small almost unnoticeable smile graced his lips. Now finish it. All you have to do is answer just one more question, and your new life can begin. That's it. Just one question, and freedom awaits you. The men who are after you are dead, and now it could not be any easier to reach your dream. You've sinned, but that shouldn't make you feel like you don't deserve a normal life. So just answer this question, and... Never again do you even have to think about the White Fang. Maroon's savior was telling him he didn't have to worry. The man with calm blue eyes was staring right at the fonts and telling him there was no need to feel bad about his past. The kind huntsman was speaking with so much sympathy in his words, it made Maroon feel at ease, better than the man had felt in weeks, no doubt. And he knew the faunus would take his words to heart. The remorse on Maroon's face faded. There was still some lingering sadness in the man's expression, but it was barely noticeable. And there was now a gleam in his eyes, a hopeful gleam that, while small, was getting bigger. He pulled, Jorno pulled back his hand as Maroon uncurled his fists. Yeah, you're right. Maroon was nervous, but that didn't stop the gleam from growing more. Just, just one more question, that's it. No more hiding from the White Fang and I get a normal life. He kept muttering these last words like a mantra. Jorno was well aware of the desperation in Maroon's words, of the shuddering breaths the man took in, but he had to get the information he needed now. The man was slowly getting more anxious with each second, and he had to ask his question before Maroon had another panic attack. And he had done enough for the faunus. His smile was replaced by a frown. Just one more question, Maroon. That's all I need. Okay. Now then. He let out a breath. Who is this her? Maroon's eyes shook and widened. Eyes widened. What? Widened. What? What? Why do you want to know that? I have my reasons. But Maroon answered the question. His eyes narrowed. Every icy word he spoke was as sharp as a dozen knives. His voice let the man across from him know just how poorly the conversation could go if he didn't answer him this second. Fear returned to Maroon's eyes as he saw the man's throat bob. His brown eyes looked far away from him and to another table. 
I, you know about the dust robberies, right? Jorno decided to lie. Of course. <laughs> then you know that Torchwick was the one behind all of them. Jorno nodded again. He made sure to look up this Torchwick later as a mental note, as well as just what dust was. But he's not the only one. The Fang, the Fang have been helping him with his crimes. The way Maroon said his words made it sound like the White Fang helping Torchwick was impossible. But if that were the case, then what changed? And instantly he had an answer. Er. I take it that this is because of whoever the White Fang got involved with, yes? Yeah. Fear slithered into that one word deeply. You still have yet to answer me, Maroon. And the Faunus bit his lip once more. I don't know exactly who she is, but... Despite the dread... Rising with his every word, Maroon still pressed forward. But I, I was once friends with the Lieutenant of the White Fang. When we started working with Torchwick, I asked him why we were suddenly working with a human. And he said it was because, because some crazy bitch made them an offer they couldn't refuse. He said that someone slaughtered hundreds of us and forced us to work under her. Someone got the White Fang, one of the biggest terrorist groups on the planet, to bow down to her, basically. Someone was about, someone was able to make Roman Torchwick, a man with enough resources to scare every kingpin in Vale, serve under her, and... and He was trembling again. Apparently she has some kind of plan. Not one, at least not the Fang, has any idea what the hell it is. But it can't be good. You don't recruit the White Fang and steal enough dust to blow up a city for anything good. God knows exactly what she'll do. But it's going to happen soon. That much I'm positive on. Giorno could see why Maroon was so scared. Because this woman did sound terrifying. She had the strength to control such powerful groups of people and the will to get them to serve her without them even putting up a fight. And this woman was plotting something. Something that required immense preparation from the sounds of it. Something that required the aid of who knows how many criminal contacts and organizations. Something that would most likely put thousands of people's lives at risk. And for a moment, Giorno saw pink hair and a red fist. And he immediately crushed the anger his thoughts had brought before it could grow out of control. Giorno's eyes roamed over Maroon. The man was still staring at the table, but he had stopped trembling. He was panting as his ears twitched underneath his hat. He looked even more exhausted now than he did before. This conversation had certainly taken its toll on Maroon. It looked like the man wouldn't be able to answer any more of his questions. And that was fine. He had already answered his most important question. You may go now. Maroon's head jerked upward to look at him in surprise. What? You heard me. He tilted his head towards a door behind him. The exit's right over there. Take it. Maroon didn't expect him to say this, but to him, there was no need to continue. He had gotten enough information from the Faunus to stay inconspicuous and act like he was from this world, and right now, he would prefer to be alone. There were some things he had to go over in his head. Maroon looked towards the exit, and then looked back at Jorno. I thank you for saving my life. I'm really grateful. He knew that. Couldn't possibly miss the gratitude in Maroon's every word. I wish you the best of luck in the future. And Jorno really did mean that, because Maroon would need all the luck he could get. The fauna slowly rose out of his seat, adjusting the hat on his head as he did so. Maroon did not run towards the exit, for he did not want to attract any attention to himself. But once he pushed open the glass door, he ran. He ran down the curb of the cafe until he vanished around a corner. And then Jorno was alone. He grabbed his chin with thumb and pointer finger as he leaned back in his seat. Let's see. 
He was in a post-apocalyptic world, but there was still a fully functioning society here. The reason for most of the world's destruction was because of the monsters that had apparently killed off a large population of the people here. There were only five real pieces, pieces of civilization left on this planet that could be called a civilization. And this was mostly thanks to these huntsmen, people with abilities that were born from their very souls called semblances. And they were similar to stands, but it appeared no one could call about a literal being born of pure fighting spirit from themselves like Jorno could. And normal people could now see his stand. One of the things he liked about his stand was that unless there was another user like him around, for all intents and purposes, gold experience was invisible. If Jorno were to, say, be jumped by an ordinary man with a pistol, he could call golden experience and have it crush the pistol in the man's grip. And to the man, it would look like his gun had been collapsed by itself. But here, that was no longer the case. Here, if Jorno called his gold experience, anyone could see it. Anyone would be able to see the glowing otherworldly being floating right beside him, and it would no doubt draw a great deal of attention to himself if someone were to tell other people about his stand. And in this world, anonymity would be key. If he used his powers without caution, he would quickly become someone who everyone wanted to know more about. He remembered every stand battle of his past, how figuring out the user's true capabilities was the key to thoroughly crushing them. So in this new world, Giorno needed to keep as much about his powers a deadly secret as he could. He lifted a hand and brought it up to his face. And for one second, he called upon his partner. He didn't use nearly as much energy as he usually did. Instead, only a tiny fraction of it. And in an instant, Giorno's hand faded from human to gold as his appendage had been replaced by his partner's. And in the next second, it was gone. No one had been watching him, and even if they had, they wouldn't have realized what he'd done because it happened far too quickly. Although there were other ways to use his powers. He just had to be even more creative than he usually was in order to hide his true capabilities. Giorno made a mental note to buy gloves at some point as he stared at the ceiling. What else? There was something akin to the internet here. With any luck, he could perhaps steal a scroll and gather information through it once he figured out the basics of the device. It sounded quite common, so acquiring it shouldn't take too much effort. And then there were the huntsmen, soldiers who apparently fought off the monster that ravaged this world. But something told him that was not the only thing they did. It would be best to learn everything he could about them, from how they operated to the skill sets they might possess. Because for all he knew, he might have to fight them at some point. And finally, in addition, there was another sentient race on this planet known as the Faunus. They were apparently viewed as the lesser of the species, and the way that they had been treated was so bad that a good number of them had gone from peaceful protesters to outright terrorists. The White Fang, that name actually sounded familiar to him, but right now he couldn't say why, apparently were working with someone named Torchwick, something they would normally never do. But someone had forced them into it, someone very powerful and very ruthless. Someone Giorno needed to defeat. He thought of the question, the main question that had been in his mind before he even started talking to Maroon, but had held off on asking the Faunus. Who ruled the underworld? Maroon had answered that question the moment he started talking about this mysterious woman who subjugated some of the most powerful people here. The Faunus had confirmed to Giorno that this woman was the one he needed to defeat. She was the one who needed to be overcome if he wanted to have even a minuscule chance of returning home. Giorno needed resources, money, and most of all, the influence in order to explore every means to try and find some way to get back home. Becoming the ruler of the criminal underworld would be by far the easiest way for him. He sighed again, 
as he massaged the bridge of his nose. He was under no delusions that getting home would be easy, or even if it was possible. Defeating yet another mysterious boss hidden in the shadows would no doubt be cumbersome, to put it lightly, and trying to recreate the process of dimensional traveling when he did not even know how he did so in the first place made his journey all the more difficult. It seemed to make returning home impossible. But that was just a word, and the reality was far greater than any single word could ever hope to match. Jorno would get home. He would find a way for his friends and for his dream. He would get back to Italy, no matter what or who stood in his way. All that was left was to find out the best way to defeat this mysterious woman. She had far more resources and power than Passione had, considering she had both a domestic terrorist group and who knows whatever the hell else under her boot. So how would he, a man who barely knew anything about this world, and who had done nothing to earn anything for his name, save the clothes and items on him, even begin to go about defeating her? He thought for a moment, as he stared at the now cold cup of coffee on the table. An idea formed in his mind, and he felt his lips turn into a grin. Well, if that had worked once before, he supposed it could work again. He reached for his cup, and once he brought it to his lips, he downed the remainder of his drink in seconds. It was indeed cold, and now the bitter taste was very overpowering. But he didn't care, because now he had a plan. Now he had a physical goal he could reach out to. And once he was finished, he placed the cup back on the table and rose from his seat. Now it was time to gather more information and as many supplies as he could in order to get out every single detail of his plan worked to see how it could go wrong, to see just where he needed to refine it so he could succeed. He pushed open the glass door of the exit as he walked onto the curb. First things first, he needed to let this woman, or at least the people who worked for her, know that he was here. It would be the courteous thing to do, after all, to let this person know that there was a danger, unlike anything this world had faced before now walking in the streets. Mista and Trish, just wait. Jorna would return soon. To be continued. All right, and then there's a long author's note here that I think we probably don't need to read. That was quite, quite, quite depth-filled. Oh, yes. I liked it because it's a good way to characterize Giorno in this fic. It really, and then yeah. Go ahead. And then it's. Also a good way to expose you if you don't know very much about Ruby. Because I'm going to be honest, I even watched, I think, up to like volume three of Ruby, and I don't right. remember a damn thing about it. I was thinking about it as we were reading through this, I was like, yada, 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 yada. I already know about all this stuff. But then I realized, oh shit, Kai and Sergio probably don't know a fucking thing about what Maroon is talking about. This is probably very important exposition. If I did know it, I don't remember it now. So it's yeah. it's good enough as not knowing it at all. Well, you do. Yeah, I mean, I I I've I've I picked up some 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 Ruby lore here and there from having you talk about it, and also I've uh, done some Ruby commissions for people, so I had to like Google and learn about it a little bit. <laughs> but it definitely was like, wait, call it. Uh, it 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 was a, it was a good primer for somebody who is a fish out of water in the Ruby universe, that being Giorno, and also for people who have probably who are reading this for the jojo bit and not the ruby bit and i mm-hmm. thought it was done well mm-hmm. i agree yep uh what i really like about this chapter as someone who does know something about ruby and does know something about jojo is it does a really good job of 
uh, really, really getting you into the understanding mindset that Giorno is off the fucking deep end in this fic, and he is not right in the head. Yes. <laughs> He's a fucking psychopath in this fan fiction. And it's very fun to see because he takes, he, without knowing really much of a damn thing about this world, does some fucking crazy shit in the next few chapters. Um, he's not like irredeemable, but this is the most ruthless you'll ever see Giorno ever. Damn. In he gets brutal. Uh, I I love it, the 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 line the line because it just works so well out of context. It's like the white ter- the white fang weren't a gang. They were domestic terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was laughing at that too. Yes, <laughs> but like I don't like like I I feel completely justified. Like I feel like Jorno's thoughts and feelings and what he's probably about to do to the white fang are very justified because like. Uh, imagine if you should like imagine put yourself in Jordan like this guy's like yeah I used to be part of this uh this uh civil rights group well that's cool what'd you guys do oh well we started um uh genociding the humans why did you <laughs> why did you do that <laughs> oh because well, you know they were, civil they were doing it to at us. that point that's civil mm. wrongs yeah uh alas the next chapter is longer than the first one was so oh my gosh we'll probably want to break that one up. Just a little bit. Just How little many bit. words is it? Twenty thousand nine hundred and twenty-five. Oh, yeah. No, Black Back Mage does not. It. Black Mage does not pull his punches when it comes to writing with a great deal of volume. Apparently but, not. But it'll be quite a fun one because it is not. It is not from Jorno's perspective. In oh. fact. From here on out, very, very, very little of the fan fiction is from Giorno's perspective. Oh, interesting. It's, it sort of turns into Giorno is a horrifying fucking eldritch monster that just shows up, and even the most competent villains in the story at this point are just gobsmacked at what the fuck he can do. You know, it kind of makes sense to me because, listen, if if you're someone, admittedly a very powerful someone, but a someone who just gets, you know, teleported to a random other dimension through means unknown, it, your first thought wouldn't be, well, now my goal is that I'm going to defeat the biggest crime boss <laughs> in this entire world. Yes. Also, like, do you... Like, it's... You have to be an eldritch being for that. Sorry, yes. but you do. Do you uh do you remember Penny, the robot girl? I do. Yeah. She meets Giorno, and it is so fucking funny. It's so oh. funny. Yeah, the rest of well, the, no spoilers. Yeah, no no more spoilers, but I will say a lot of it is not from Giorno's perspective, which will be a very fresh sense of reading going forward. But definitely we're gonna have to break it up into multiple episodes because as it's previously stated it's no, well uh, maybe it's, it's not too long necessarily it's too long for, it's too one, long episode. for one episode it's too it's too much for one episode black mage is too powerful it's, too, it's just too powerful we can't we can't we're, we're like discord we're like no your story is too powerful we can't upload it <laughs> 
I, I, yes. I'm, I'm imagining like you know the, the 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 very famous SpongeBob like yo some of these some of these and then he just produces the some paper with the really well written the we'll see with Black Page of Phantasm it's like that except there's 20 pages of fully written text and he's like it's been 30 minutes break time <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's he's got to just be a fucking monster when it comes to writing stuff. Anyways, I'm definitely going to have to read that Chainsaw Man fan fiction because it's apparently based on some of the most recent chapters of uh, wait, Chainsaw you gotta Man. Wait, you got to wait. You got to wait until I read it so we can all read it. Okay. All right. All right. You got to wait. All right. And then it won't be recent anymore, so that kind of sucks, I guess. I suppose. It doesn't really matter. I don't think it's recent now because it's from a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah, about three all months right. ago. Any well, last thoughts? See you all uh, next time. Bye. Nope, I don't love them. That's my last thought. Goodbye. Rude. <laughs>